I'd just be crying because I was so upset with where I was and where I got myself you know the place that I was emotionally and I remember um, thinking this was normal I would be biking to work and I remember thinking oh my goodness if I bike close enough to a car and if the car door opened I could go to hospital instead of work. And then somewhere along the way, society tells us no more, that's child's play. But actually we need to be, you know, weaving that into our lives more than ever because creativity sparks creativity and we're going to need creativity to solve these really unique problems. Purposely Podcast, speaking with social entrepreneurs and charity founders and leaders people who are making the world a better place. Here's your host, Mark Longbottom. Hi, Bridget. How are you? Hello, Mark. I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you for joining me on Purposely. Um, You're the founder and CEO of the social enterprise Beat and Proceed. What's your vision and mission? We exist to educate Aotearoa and beyond on the 17 UN Sustainable Development Goals and to inspire action towards the goals through creativity. Um, So I'm going to be using the acronym SDGs from now on. That's the acronym for Sustainable Development Goals. And I'm very aware it sounds like something else. Um, (laughs) Hopefully we're all comfortable to use that acronym. So the SDGs is one of the largest, if not the largest framework globally for sustainability. And it's a beautiful framework that speaks an international language. Um, All 193 UN member states, including New Zealand, adopted the SDGs back in 2015. And they address all areas of sustainability. So economic, social, and environmental. And each 17 goal has a beautiful unique color. So Beat and Proceed started as um, basically a way to raise awareness about this framework using a five beta necklace. So it was about coming together to each make and for everyone to each make and paint a five beta necklace that represented the top five SDGs that you personally cared about. Future of Beat and Proceed is to be, I mean, dare I say it, but to be sort of the number one SDG resource uh, in the world, that would be incredible. Uh, But I think the really unique element that Bed and Proceed offers is that creative part, because so often we get really bogged down in, and especially now more than ever with COVID, you know, we're so digitally, digital focused, you know, we're very virtual and there's nothing wrong with that but it's also about making time to get back to our creative roots, that old school, raw creativity we used to do all the time. And then somewhere along the way, society tells us no more, that's child's play, but actually we need to be, you know, weaving that into our lives more than ever because creativity sparks creativity and we're going to need creativity to solve these really unique problems. What what was the light bulb moment for the social enterprise? Yeah. So Oh, well, it, it really is a journey. Um, I suppose there, there was definitely a moment though, but to give you, to explain that moment, I probably have to give you some context. So I was actually a solicitor. I was 
um, a lawyer working at a, at a really good law firm and I was in the litigation team. So litigation is, you know, that, that court work kind of stuff. And I thought I always wanted to be a lawyer. It was something that I thought, you know, was natural aligned to my strengths. Um, but really, I, I had always loved creativity. And I, I'm talking about that raw creativity, you know, like writing, poetry, painting, making, play, that sort of stuff. But I didn't see any value in it at the time, and nor did I see a, uh, a career path. So I went into law. And law was not something that came naturally to me, but I worked really, really hard at it. I was lucky enough to get a scholarship and I was offered a grad position and then I was offered a full-time position at the law firm and I was a lawyer for almost three years but I realized that as time was going on I was sort of neglecting that natural strength that I have which was this creativity that was calling out to me but I didn't really have a space to practice that day to day and as time went on I also felt like I wasn't adding any value to the firm I had major major imposter syndrome um, didn't think I was ever smart enough to be a lawyer anyway so I didn't really you know start things off on the right foot but I remember having a particularly really bad day in court feeling like I just didn't belong in this legal environment so I decided to put all my negativity into something positive and I wanted to make a necklace I just wanted to get creative because I hadn't I've neglected that part for so long so I made this five beta necklace and as I was painting, I got lost, you know, into the flow of creativity and coming up with different ideas and philosophies. And I thought, man, we don't make time for this. And I wore it to work the next day and I had heaps of people coming up to me saying, oh, that's such a cool necklace. Where did you get it from? Could you make me one? And I thought maybe there's something to this. Hey, maybe we could bring people together to, to make a necklace or a key ring using these beads but the thing is it's about coming together for something positive you know proceeding to be a better version of yourself whether you're sharing resources about a great podcast or a story or a book and then I thought well that's all good but you know what's it all for like what's the bigger picture and that's yeah. where that's the context of bead and proceed I quite like that rhyming and then the next day I was flipping through a magazine and I came across the 17 UN Sustainable Development Goals, the SDGs. I saw the colors. That was what drew me first. And I thought, what, what is this framework? It's so beautiful. And then I realized each color was tackling a global issue. Like dark green was climate change. Pink was reduced inequalities. Um, you know, a sort of really orange was gender inequality. And I thought, wow, like, not only is this a really beautiful framework, but this is, it's tackling the 17 biggest issues. And so I looked into this framework and I thought, oh my goodness, like New Zealand's adopted this and no one knows about these goals. And we were, this was back in 2016. So we were yeah. almost one year, you know, into our adoption. And I thought, why does no one know about this? And I thought, that's it. And that was the light bulb moment. I realized these five Bs that we paint could represent the top five SDGs we want to champion so suddenly the, these beads were not just it wasn't just a necklace but it was a statement for what we cared about and it served as a conversation starter to help spread awareness but it also served as a physical reminder of our commitment and by making space to come together we could have that rich discussion and we could brainstorm and ideate creative ways to champion these goals and yeah and basically work towards them. 
talked about imposter syndrome in your legal career. So you're at the hard end, right? So you're at litigation, dispute resolution. Like, why didn't you kind of go easy on yourself and choose another, um, you know, area of law? Oh, I mean, I, I, I don't think any area of law is easy. I think you're always dealing with, um, you're always dealing with difficult problems, you know, complex problems, you know, high emotions, high stakes. Um, and if, if you don't think they're high, they, they definitely feel high to your client, you know. So I, I, what drew me to litigation, though, was probably I saw it as more one of the more creative theatrical, um, I suppose, you know, sectors of law. There was something and, it's, you know, obviously Hollywood plays a massive part in this, you know, that romanticizing of, you know, standing up in court and, you know, that, theater, that theatrical um, component drew me to it and also I had a I had a team that um when I was summer clerking with the law firm I really connected with the team too and yeah and they supported me throughout um throughout especially that those last two years of my degree so I really enjoyed the thing yeah and I also quite enjoyed that you know that litigation um court experience as well and what could you say that sort of that imposter syndrome or it was the drive to have creativeness or more creativity in your life that led you to make the brave decision to leave, like actually hand your notice in? Like, do you remember that day when you walked in and, and what your feelings were at the time? That is such a good question, Mark. No one has ever asked me this and I haven't taken the time to really consider which one was it. It was probably a combination. I actually sat on the idea for two years because I th thought it was the stupidest idea in the world. Like I come up with it and I thought that's it, my light bulb moment. And then I was like, no one else is going to understand this light bulb but me. <laughs> so I, I sat on the idea for two years thinking it was the silliest thing, but I was never afraid to not tell people. So I was, you know, I, I, I check away to my friends and stuff and say, oh, I've got this idea. Like, what do you think of it? Um, and that was definitely a, a wonderful lesson in itself that taught me the importance. If you are an entrepreneur or you do have an idea, do share it with other people. Um, we can get very worried that if we tell someone our idea that, you know, they're going to steal it. One, that hardly ever happens. And two, you'll never know how if you tell someone that might lead you to another opportunity. And in that case, it did. So I once told my friend about this idea and she was at a networking event and met someone from the United Nations, the Association Trust in Christchurch. And they heard the idea and said, your friend has to pitch to us for funding. So it was thanks to that connection that I was able to get the first lot of Beat and Proceed kits to be basically C-funded by the... Um, United Nations Association Trust in Christchurch and that was all kind of ticking away in the background while I was still lawyering but I suppose the that real trigger point for me was just yeah having and it was just this just these constant days of feeling like such an imposter feeling um like I was so shit at my job um but also the anxiety that went with it and I think <laughs> It's so obvious now, but no one really sits you down and says, look, if you want to get into law, you have to love conflict. Like you're just going to, or not just love, but you're going to have to get past it. You're going to have to, you know, you can't people yeah. please. You're going to have to make some difficult decisions and you're going to have to learn how to not care. Um, and that's not always the case. Sometimes caring can be really helpful, you know, over caring mm. for the client or over caring for, um, you know, finding the right evidence and discovery or that sort of thing. But I, I just couldn't, um, 
yeah, I think it was that that overcaring that sort of drove me to feel, you know, this extreme anxiety. Um, and was there a physiological reaction? Like, did you find yourself um, kind of shutting down or what was the kind of impact on you during in those period of, of your life? Like, did yeah. you? Mm. Um, it was it was bad, Mark, if I'm honest. And I want to say this and just sort of, I don't want to trigger anyone um, if they're listening to this podcast, but I think it's really important that, you know, you know you're in a bad place when you're in a profession. And I remember I was, I'd put on my court attire, you know, I'd black pants and the white shirt and the black blazer. And I just remember sobbing. Like I would be putting in, I'd be putting on, you know, the outfit and just feeling like I'd just be crying because I was so upset with, where I was and where I got myself you know the place that I was emotionally and I remember um thinking this was normal I would be biking to work and I remember thinking oh my goodness if I bike close enough to a car and if the car door opened I could go to hospital instead of work and I remember thinking like oh that makes sense like maybe I like really considering that as an option um and then and I didn't, I just thought that was normal. I'm like, not everyone's supposed to love their job, you know, and I wouldn't be thinking like that all the time. There'd be days where, you know, it'd be a great day, but it to a, it got to a point where I was thinking about that quite consistently and just making a call out there to anyone who is thinking like that, that is, that is thinking that that needs to change and it can change and yeah. taking that leap, I suppose um to you know to do beads to do paint beads full time paint beads yeah I look back on it and I would have thought what a like what a stupid like why would I throw that law degree away or why would I throw that wonderful you know that legal career away but I just I you know at the expense of my mental health it just you know it was no other option and I and my parents knew how unhappy I was and I remember telling my dad we had I was at a morning tea break or something and we were at a cafe and I said to dad look um this is how I'm feeling you you know I, I basically told him I'm going to I'm going to leave the law because my dad was a massive advocate for for the legal profession um he was really proud that I was a lawyer you know he loved telling people and um yeah and I told him I said look I'm going to leave the law and his response was you're not going to do that bead thing are you <laughs> And I remember being like crushed, but also that liberating feeling of, yeah, I yes, am. I am. I am. I'm going to do that bead thing and I'm going to be happy and I'm going to bike around Christchurch or Tahi and not feel like, you know, and not wanting a car door to, to take me out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I laugh about it now, but it, it, I am in such a better place and I can't believe and I'm so grateful for the for the beads to help me to get there and that comes back to all of those wonderful early adopters who believed in bead and proceed um these massive champions at the start of the social enterprise launching that really gave me put that put the belief in myself that these beads could actually create a career for me and i think it's a huge thing that i want other people to know about that yeah. you can whatever your small crazy idea is like you can make it happen if, if beads if beads can, you know, can change things, then so too can your idea. Yeah.
And do you have a, a favourite or a few favourite SDGs? Well, yes, I've got my own five. Um, I definitely have a number one, I suppose. I mean, it's not a suppose, but it's definitely one that is just, it has to be. And that's SDG 17. That's partnerships for the goals. So, and a, a big component of SDG 17 is about being an advocate for the framework. It's about, um, you know, connecting other people to the framework, um, promoting and um, working with other organizations that are championing the framework. Um, so I'm a huge believer in SDG 17 and collaboration without, without partnerships with, you know, whether that be with Te Ao Māori, local government, um, private sector, public sector, you know, we can't, we can't make the change we need. So definitely that goal. And then followed, gosh, honestly, the other four are just equal of importance, but definitely 17. My other four is reduced inequalities, that's SDG 10. SDG 12, responsible consumption production. SDG 17, sustainable cities and communities. And of course, SDG 16, which is peace, justice and strong institutions, which, which does come back to that, that legal and justice side of um, my background. Wonderful. And why are SDGs so important? Give, give me your pitch. Oh. Why, what, what they're doing in the world okay wow what are they doing so the 17 sdgs as mentioned adopted in 2015 um and they are for they it's a global undertaking for the period of 15 years to achieve a more sustainable world so we adopted and we adopted them in 2015 so we have until 2030 to achieve them and some wonder whether we will be able to do that which is also what not which is also why the SDGs are known as the moonshot goals um, but they're also known as the global goals or the people's goals but my the acronym I use is SDGs so as mentioned they address 17 of the biggest issues in today's society so we're looking at things like no poverty zero hunger climate action life below water life on land and what's beautiful about this framework is it looks at sustainability in all its forms, economic, social, and environmental, which means this framework is relevant to every industry. And it also means this framework doesn't polarize people because for so long we've been thinking sustainability just connects to that you know, environmental side of things. But now we're understanding actually for sustainable for sustainable development to really work, we have to consider all these three areas, economic, social, and environmental together. And we have to work on them together and at the same time, because if we champion one, we run the risk of you know, falling behind in another area. And what also makes this framework special is, as I mentioned, all 193 UN member states adopted the goals. So it's the largest framework globally for sustainability. And that means it speaks an international language, which we need more than ever during the impacts of COVID-19. We know the importance of solidarity coming together for a common goal. And that's the beautiful thing about goals. Goals have a way of rallying people together for a collective mission, even if that mission seems impossible. And that's why that I see this framework being unique and special and there's a difference about it. And why a social enterprise? Why why not start this as just a for profit business and then see see where it landed? Like, oh, I mean, I think with, like Mark, you definitely know the answer, which is like 
if you're going to talk about the SDGs and champion something like this, you have to walk the talk, right? And um, so with Beat and Proceed, we wanted to weave the SDGs through our business model. So what that means is we've partnered with um, ethical and um, you know ethical and sustainable organizations. So our Beat and Proceed kits and the beads themselves, they are all handmade by a wonderful organization called Silence. Silence is located in Calcutta, India. They're World Fair Trade certified and they employ adults who are deaf, mute, blind, or have missing limbs, often a group of people marginalized in Indian society. So Silence employs these adults in Calcutta, upskill, upskilling them to be beautiful artisans. So they make our kits and their wood carvers make our wooden beads out of recycled wooden pallets and our kits are made out of recycled paper. We also work with the incredible natural paint company and um, which is a New Zealand company and their paint is free of nasties. It's environmentally friendly and for every square meter of paint painted, they save a square meter of Amazon rainforest. And then core to bed and proceed is our one for one model. So for every bed and proceed kit purchased, another is donated to either a low decile school or a deserving community organization to live and breathe the 2030 agenda, which is to leave no one behind. What surprised you most about launching this? Like what are the things that kind of took you by surprise? And in this whole journey. Yeah, that, like beat, oh. the beat and proceed journey. Like what's come at you and you've gone, wow. Oh my goodness. Um, like pe amazing people like you that believe in the story and want to and want to give space for for crazy people like me who leave their law jobs to paint beads for a living <laughs> to um to communicate what they're doing. And I think that's a huge part. Um Gosh, what else? I mean, I'm always so impressed by the discussion that comes out of these workshops, especially when we do them with, um, you know, with younger audience as well. You know, these younger students, they know about these issues. They are passionate about these issues. And it's really important that we give them space to talk about this stuff, but doing it in a way that doesn't feel heavy or threatening. And there's something about, the lightness and the optimistic side of painting beads that makes them feel like they're coming away with a sense of achievement when they wear their necklace or their key ring and they've you know they've they've it's it's a beautiful way to like package what you care about when the world can feel so complex and so challenging you don't know where to start but I mean what else I mean geez there's been Mark there's been heaps of moments <laughs> <laughs> like I remember there was this one moment and I will never forget this. Um, I mean, I remember meeting Helen Clark was incredible. And when she supported Bed and Proceed and called it out at the town hall, that was amazing. And I remember thinking, who cares if my dad doesn't understand Bed and Proceed? Like, Helen Clark's a supporter. <laughs> and that was beautiful. So knowing that there are these amazing champions, um, you know, who believe in, your, in this little idea has been in, so inspiring. And I do remember a time when, um, Pre-COVID in 2019, I was selected by the JCI Osaka Outstanding Young Persons Program, where they were basically selecting 
six people from six young people from around the world who were championing the SDGs and I was lucky enough to be selected and I remember part of the program we had to present our idea to this university in Osaka and I remember you know there was this girl from Estonia who was talking about her incredible indoor tech farming lab um, there was someone from the Czech Republic who was talking about their architectural green blueprints um, and this incredible solar battery uh, like all these incredible high-tech and amazing ideas and I remember sitting there going I do not deserve to be here <laughs> Yeah. Here I am with my five little bees. And so I remember walking up on stage and I'm like, Kia ora, my name's Bridget. I'm from Aotearoa, New Zealand, you know, and, and this is Beat and Proceed. <laughs> Just explaining what we do. And I mean, I loved it. I enjoyed every minute of it. But I do remember feeling, again, the imposter syndrome and going, I do not deserve to be here. Like, these are people making change. And then at the end of the presentation, everyone was invited you know, all the students were invited to come and speak to the presenters that they connected with. And I remember thinking, no one's going to want to come see me. I'm the girl with beads. Who cares about this? You know, what a story. And I remember looking up and there was just a swarm of students around me. And I was like, what? Like, what you, like, why, why do you like these beads? Like they, and it's, it spoke to them. And I remember they all came up and they wanted to touch the beads. They wanted to see the kits. And I realized that creativity and simple ideas, they don't get lost in translation. And yeah. sometimes they can be the most powerful, you know, powerful things. So that's been a massive takeaway for me as well. And is there anyone else there, out there who's doing something similar? Not that I've come across. I mean, there are so many SDG resources out there because it, it is this global it's a, it's a framework that is, you know, speaks that global language. So people have, you know, come up with different concepts. I haven't, I haven't seen something like the beads though. <laughs> that's, that's been a unique thing. I have, you know, received a, a, quite a few emails from people wanting to take it overseas, which is really exciting. Um, so who knows, but yeah. Yeah. I that mean, was kind of, th yeah. That, that was my next question really was around, what is your vision for this? Because obviously, clearly, you won't be able to do everything. And as it scales up and gains more traction, and what, what is the vision? Yeah, so I would say the vision is sort of two parts. So there's that um, corporate business part, which is growing, helping businesses to um, connect with the SDGs, taking staff on their journey, using Beat and Proceed as a tool to get staff to commit to the SDGs personally, and helping businesses to, to authentically align to the SDGs relevant to their business and to the targets underneath those SDGs as well. So it's that effective aligning and SDG reporting. That's a big part of it and growing that through, um, you know, through different workshops, through growing our facilitation team and growing that virtually and reaching an international market would be incredible. And we're starting to just, you know, starting to do that. The other side I would say is, you know, getting to that younger audience so next year, we're looking at launching a Beat and Proceed in Schools program. So we're wanting to, the, 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 the first tier dream would be running Beat and Proceed with every middle school slash intermediate school in New Zealand. So middle school is ages between uh, year seven and year 10, which is a great age because students are starting to, you know, really connect with those bigger issues you know, learning about the world beyond themselves. Um, 
And it's a great age to get them inspired about this stuff. So we're wanting to work with the New Zealand Association of Intermediate and Middle Schools. And before the end of this year, we'll be kicking off our pilot um, with one of the schools as well. So there's sort of those two, two big goals in the meantime. Um, mm. And then obviously the other big goal is getting New Zealand to really champion the SDGs. So currently New Zealand is at number 23 on the SDG global rank. Last year we were at number 16 and the year before that we were at number 11. Um, I would love to see Aotearoa New Zealand be in that top three spot, you know, being real champions of this framework. And what's really interesting is the Auditor General has recently released a report around what government is doing towards the SDGs. And three of the key things it came out with was um, the government needs to form way more clarity around what its commitment is towards the goals. Because yes, we've adopted them, but what's that next, what does that next level of commitment look like? Um, the second is effective target and reporting. And the third is growing stakeholder engagement. So I sort of see Beat and Proceed as being a nice package to sort of, you know, hit all three of those um, those big issues that the Auditor General has um, has come out with. And we're starting to work with more and more local government and councillors, which is really exciting. So, yeah, we'll Wonderful. see where Beat and Proceed goes. And what, is, what does Dad think now as we move towards <laughs> roughing up? <laughs> it's funny. He actually just... We went skiing at the weekend and um, he's like, I heard that because I, I did a podcast with um, the female career and it was it was awesome and such a cool opportunity. And um, dad was like, I heard that podcast um, and he's like, oh, I, he I heard you, you called me out about it, didn't you? And I was like, well, yes, dad, of course, I'm going to call you out on, out on, a you know, like I'm going to tell I'm going to tell them how it is. But um, then he's like, oh, fair enough, fair enough. But so he kind of he's like he doesn't tell me he's never said the word that he's proud or you know that you know he is a he's a fan of beat and proceed but that was a big thing him telling me that he listened to a podcast it was um you know quite an quite an honor to have dad um be listening to something because I, th I think the other big thing is these podcasts are so helpful because he actually has to listen to the journey you know um so thank you for making making a platform like this where my dad has to listen to the reasons for why why <laughs> I just didn't proceed uh, sounds other, like he's pretty proud oh he is but you know it's it's a different generation and I think he he struggles with the idea of the beads and the and the goals and the colors it's a lot it's a lot but I think he I think he's starting to get it he actually he, um there was at the start oh when was that maybe end of 2019 we did a really cool t-shirt, um, you know, SDG sort of t-shirt campaign to help fund for the launching of our bracelet kits. And he he got a t-shirt and he chose his five, you know, his five top five SDGs and he knew them really well. Like he didn't even have to think about what his five were. So I definitely, he obviously gets it, but hasn't specifically told me. Yeah. And massive thank you for joining me on Purposely. Um, massive fan over here. Um, I love what you're doing. Uh, I think the goals are fantastic. The hugely aspirational, um, you know, the whole, everyone across the world can kind of make it their own in a sense that, you know, that you can decide on what your colors are, what your goals are. And I think you gain ownership from that. And I think your 
providing a, a fantastic um, service and an inspiration to people to um, try and make the world a better place, which is oh, awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mark. Um, funny story, my dad's also Mark as well. So <laughs> Good name. thank you for listening. The yeah, Mark that listens. That's no. <laughs> <laughs> um, really lovely to hear, Mark. And um, it, honestly, it, it means so much to me because you know, it's definitely been a big change leaving law to paint beads for a living, but it's um, people like you and making spaces like this to, it's a wonderful way to reflect and realize that these little beads can make a difference. So thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Purposely Podcast. I hope you like what you're hearing. Please subscribe and leave a review.